Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Mr. Hicks Podcast. We are here getting it in once again, time and time again. I am here to talk about the NBA draft because people are stupid. And as long as people are stupid, I'm going to have content. It's just, it amazes me that the same bad franchises owned by the same dumb people keep making the same dumb decisions. They do it over and over again. It's not that people are dumb. It's that people are continually dumb. It's that people are just continue to make the same, the same poor choices over and over again. May not be, you know, I pick the same bad player. Sometimes that's they actually do do that. But it's like, oh, I don't know how to pick coaches. I don't know how to draft first round picks. I don't have any idea what I'm doing out here. And that's what happens is bad people pick bad people. You hear me say that a lot. Is that when you, there's a lot of a lot of sayings, a lot of sayings that talk about like things like you know uh, leadership. It starts at the top. Fish rot from the head down. Stuff like that. But ownership matters. There's a reason why some franchises in some sports, regardless of what the rules are, whether there's a salary cap or no salary cap, whether uh, there's a, a draft, whether they get high draft picks or they don't. Whether they, the coaches change, the players change, they're always great. Or they're always at least very good. And there's some organizations that no matter what you give them, they manage to screw it up. I mean, I remember specifically when I was growing up, the Orlando Magic got two number one picks in back-to-back years. The first one was Shaquille O'Neal. Kind of hard to screw that up. The second year, they had a chance to get Chris Webber. Shaquille O'Neal and Chris Webber would have been the best front court in the history of basketball. They were both ridiculously explosive, could get up and down the floor. It was, it was, it would, it would have been insane. And they actually did it. They actually drafted Chris Webber, and then the um, the Warriors drafted Anthony Hardaway, and they decided to switch. Uh, so, like on draft night, within like a few minutes, they were switching hats. And then uh, Chris Webber goes to Oklahoma State. Anthony Hardaway goes to uh, or the Orlando Magic. Now, not to say that Anthony Hardaway was a bad player. His career was cut short with um, with injury. But, again, they, they, Anthony Hardaway got hurt. Shaq goes to L.A. Great things happen for you. You still manage to screw it up. And same thing happens all the time. Um, so, I'm not actually going very deep into the NBA draft. I know most of you are probably not really interested in that, but it's just a good example as to how bad franchises just stay bad franchises because they do stupid stuff. So when I say ownership matters, even when ownership like looks up and gets a good employee in any organization, smart people figure out pretty quickly. They work for idiots. So, um, People have mobility now. So if you're a, a junior executive or a, 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 an assistant GM or something for a bad organization, you're going to get out of that organization as soon as freaking possible. Like, oh, my God, you drafted who? You, you, you gave who a max contract? Oh, my God. Like, nobody's going to want that contract. I don't even want that contract. Like, John, Wall, John Wall's contract. It's so ridiculous. Nobody wants it. And if I was working for the working for the, the Wizards at the time, I'd have been like, I quit. I quit. 
we can't be this stupid. I, I don't want to. I don't want to be associated with being this stupid. I have to go. You and all the other stupid people in this building. Bye, bye. So, I noticed this about bad franchises. So, in in America, we have these things called salaries, caps, and drafts. I don't think in other sports they actually have this stuff. In Europe, I know they don't. It's like you find, develop your own players, and then you can sign your players once they're developed. That, that's about it. So, but in America, in order for the the owners who bought teams in cities where nobody actually wants to go to, uh, they wanted to be fair for them. So they have a draft when like the worst team gets the best players in the in the draft from college. So that they would try to keep it even. Everybody will have a chance to win. Not really what I think they're doing. I think they're just trying to keep it keep things relevant. And uh, most of the teams don't even care about winning. The owners don't anyway. So when you get the draft and when you get bad franchises, get an opportunity to take good players, they, they usually screw it up. The only time that bad franchises get good players is only a couple of reasons. Number one, um, when they just drop in their lap, like there's just no way you could possibly screw this up. Like when Cleveland got the first pick in the draft, LeBron James was sitting right there. He's from Ohio. Uh, he's really passionate about home and about Akron where he's from. Uh, he was a home guy and it was a perfect match. Even they couldn't scratch, mess that up. Um, the, the Detroit, when Detroit got Matt Stafford. Oh, yeah, by the way, Detroit managed to to really mess up three Hall of Fame careers and get no championships out of um, Calvin Johnson, Matthew Stafford, and Barry Sanders. Isn't that incredible that you can be that bad? Uh, when, like when Indianapolis, the fact to me that Indianapolis only got two, they got one Super Bowl, one Super Bowl out of uh, Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck back-to-back. They got one Super Bowl out of that. Two absolutely phenomenal talents, generational talents, one Super Bowl between those two guys. And the fact that the one year where Peyton Manning was hurt and could not play, another generational quarterback happened to be available that year, and you get him. And and you you do such a bad job surrounding him with talent and protecting him that he goes, hey, millions of dollars to play football? No, thank you. I'd rather produce preserve my life and my quality of life than to continue to play for you. Uh, I, I have a degree from Stanford. Andrew Luck, God bless you, Andrew Luck, for getting out of a bad situation and showing these owners, like, listen, uh, my I, I've had spleen surgery. I've had concussions. I'm not trying to die out here. Uh, to make money for you, buy. Do good with your money. Get a decent degree. And he had FU money, and he was able to just step off and live his life the way he wants to live it. And I wish more athletes were doing that. Okay, so another reason why bad franchises will end up getting um, a, a good player, because when they overpay, they really, we're, we're dedicated, and we're going to build it, and we're going to get everything, everything. So what you end up doing is you overpay for a player who's just trying to get a bag. It happens all the time. And then those players end up being a, a freaking disaster. Like John Wall, like like, like Russell Westbrook. Like there's just a, there's been, like Trent Williams was like that. It's just, just jerks. Just really, there's some people out there that were just, I'll take the bag and I don't really plan on doing anything for it. Um, 
and then they get players when they're past their prime. So, like like when Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, uh, like a lot of players, a lot of players who are great players at one point, Hall of Fame level players at one point, uh, they end up playing for teams that they were not great with because they can't let go of, okay, I'm not the same player I was. I've lost a step and I'm just going to go ahead and retire. Or um, somebody offers them a bag at the end of their career. Like the, my best example of this um, in my era was probably like Joe Montana and Emmett Smith. Like Joe Montana, um, you know, won four Super Bowls with the 49ers, but he didn't end his career with the 49ers. He got replaced by Steve Young and they moved on. And then Steve Young goes and he wins. I think he got to the AFC Championship game with Kansas City. Uh, they didn't win another Super Bowl, but he did do pretty well. But then he fell off like precipitously the year after that. And then um, Emmett Smith, uh, great football player during the uh, 90s for Dallas Cowboys, uh, the all-time rushing leader. And then he ends his career playing with the Arizona Cardinals. It's just sad to see, really, to see great players. You know, they're there their whole career. You're, it's your business if you want to go get that back. Get your back. I appreciate that. But that's the only way that you go to bad franchises because the bad franchise wants to give you a bag because that's all they know is name. We're getting we're getting Joe Montana. Are you really? Are you really getting Joe Montana? Are you really getting Emmett Smith when like Shaquille O'Neal when he basically got passed around like like slices of birthday cake at the end of his career? Think about that, Shaquille O'Neal. I saw this was this was so funny. Um, Shaquille O'Neal had been on like so many teams, I think six teams. And he had a jersey color for every color of the rainbow. And they just showed him in every color. And it literally matched the rainbow. He was he, he had been with Boston. He was with the Phoenix Suns. He was with Orlando. He was with the Lakers. He was with the Cavs. I mean, it was really sad at, at one point. And, and it was just like, oh, we got Shaq. I was like, no, Shaq, you have Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq has not been around for about five years. That's what's happening. You're getting the ghost of that player when you're a bad franchise. So, you know, that's what they do. Big, bad franchises like the like the, the Charlotte Hornets are a good example. You know, Michael Jordan is lazy as hell. He's not, no, he wasn't lazy as a player. He lazy as hell as, a, as, a, as an executive, though, because he just, he just famous for taking players that were great in the tournament or went to do this guy went to Duke, this guy went to Kansas, this guy went to Gonzaga and uh, no, not really doing the homework. They're lazy. They don't do the real scouting and they just, you know, they watch TV and go, well, he, he, he looked really good when he played that one team. So um, not every person that is good in the college game translates well into the pro game. And vice versa, you know, like some guys, you know, yeah, sometimes actually are. Some guys actually are a little better and project to be a better pro than they were in college. Uh, it, it, it has happened, but um, bad franchises don't ever get those guys. So this is a really long lead up, lead up into um, what the Lakers and Sacramento Kings did during the draft on Thursday. So you got the Sacramento Kings aren't just bad the sacramento kings are irrelevant so it's like the knicks are bad the knicks are bad every year but the fact that the knicks are bad kind of fascinating you know they're 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 in new york uh they are their fans are extremely passionate follow them very 
very carefully and are very upset the fact that their team is bad and are desperate for their team to be better, and yet they hang on for their squad. I still don't understand it, but good, good, good to you know, Pegram and, uh, and uh, anybody else that's out there that's a a, a Knicks fan. God bless you. The rest of us really can't figure you out. Um, the Nets, the Nets were a dumpster fire, but they were interesting. You get, you know, the amount of storylines you could just follow. Like if you were a reporter, you could literally just follow around the Nets and just write down the stuff they said. You wouldn't have to lie. The stuff that they were doing and saying were ridiculous enough. And then the Lakers, the the fold of the Lakers with Jeannie Buss, with, with LeBron James, with with uh, always damaged uh, um, Anthony Davis, with Russell Westbrook being the the most delu- one of the most delusional basketball players anyone has ever dealt with. Uh, it's ama- It's fascinating. It's like watching a train wreck. It's like you know it's going to crash. And it's like this anticipation like it's going to crash, it's going to crash, it's going to crash, it's going to crash. There it goes. It's really, it's really just fun to watch, to be honest with you. And then, um, but the Sacramento Kings, they're they're bad and they're not interesting. Like I have not seen a Sacramento Kings basketball game since, probably since Chris Webber played for them. It was Chris Webber, Christie, Vlada Divac back in the day. Um, well, um, I think DeMarcus Cousins was on that team for a while, but even then I didn't watch those games. There's no reason to watch them. There's like, like right now they, they, they've literally taken some very talented young men and this Sacramento is just where players go to die, where their careers go to die. There's not even a, even as a free agent, you couldn't get a free agent to go to Sacramento. You couldn't like right now. Okay. Like De'Aaron Fox, great player in college. Marvin Bagley, uh, he was injured a lot, but he was a great high school prospect. Uh, Buddy Heald, great player, great player from Oklahoma. I don't understand. They go there and they absolutely disappear. It's like a black hole of talent. So the draft comes up this year, and there are four basic players. You had um, Ranchero, who got taken first. You got uh, Chad Holmgren. Um and then uh, what was the other kid names like Jaden, uh, Jaden something Jr. from uh, from Auburn, and then there was Jaden Ivy. Now Jaden Ivy from Purdue, he was supposed to be like almost like a John Morant type clone. He was like he's not as explosive, but very much in that mold of player. People were very excited about him, and the fall there was a fall off after four. It was like okay, there's four good players in this draft. These four teams are going to get four great players, and at least you can figure that out. So then they, they didn't take him. They just didn't take him. Like Jaden Ivey, he didn't send his medical to, um, uh, to to Sacramento, and he did not work out for them. That actually happens a lot more than you would think. Uh, as listening to TV, listening to podcasts, and uh, a lot of NBA players tried to play games to not get drafted by teams that they didn't want to get drafted to there's not a whole lot you can do in that case there are things that you do i do remember um steve francis getting drafted to the vancouver grizzlies at the time and him basically saying there's absolutely positively no way that i'm going to play in vancouver and he ended up getting traded they picked him but i think they ended up trading trading him to houston for a boatload of picks and then soon there soon thereafter the grizzlies moved to memphis so it has happened. It is possible. So 
Jaden Ivey was pretty vocal about not wanting to go there. I believe he said on a podcast that he was like, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if I went there. Like he was, he knew that's where he was probably going to go. He was beyond not excited about it and was not shy about telling people don't really blame him. I would I, I don't want to go to a career graveyard either. So, but he was the most talented player. And yes, they had De'Aaron Fox. Yes, they had Buddy Heal, but they're already not very good. And you take the guy and you figure it out. You don't just get punked by Jaden Ivey and his representation. Well, I'm not coming there if you draft me. So you still draft him. You still draft him. You still draft him because he's a great asset. Now, I'll give you an example of this and the best one. Everybody always forgets this stuff. And that's why I say, like, if you got to do something kind of outlandish or shady in the moment to get yourself to a good situation, as much as I hate it, if you go someplace and you win, people will forget all about it because you won, because you were successful. And you say, oh, no, you won't. Like, really? What about Eli Manning? Oh, oh, do you do you remember this story? Some of you are too young and you might not remember it. Some of you actually don't do know this story. You just don't think about it because it was a long time ago and because he won two Super Bowls for the Giants. But because he because he was successful, you don't think about it that much. So uh, Eli Manning, when he was coming out of college, you know, he's quarterback for Ole Miss. There were three quarterbacks in that draft. There was Eli Manning. There was uh, Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger, all in the same draft. But Eli was the highest drafted of the three. Uh, highest uh, um Rated of the three. So the Chargers had the number one pick. And the Manning and their representation tell the Chargers, we ain't coming. If you draft us, we are not coming. We will never set foot in San Diego. We will not, we will not play for San Diego. And the rule is, I know you probably don't know this. The rule is if you refuse to show up for a team that drafted you, you actually go back in the draft the next year. You just apply for the draft the next year. So the team that drafted you will literally get nothing. Now, usually this is the dream of all these players. They want to get the bag. They want to buy a mama house. They want to get paid. They've been playing their whole life. This is the dream of what they want to get to. However, Eli Manning had a brother in the NFL. He could have just gone, moved in with his brother, worked out for a year, and then gone back in the draft the next year. So because he was actually able to like, yeah, I can actually do that then the Chargers had to be like, oh, this he really he he can actually mean it. Guys say that don't draft me, I'm not coming. He can actually not come if he doesn't want to. So but they still drafted him. He went up there with like hey, hey, whatever and he said there's pictures of it of him actually standing there with the Chargers jersey. Like he, you know, he was gracious about it, even though he was like, you know, screw you guys, I'm never going to play for you. But I'll stand here and hold your little jersey. I'll hold your jersey for a second. I'm not really... <laughs> so, so what happens? They knew the Giants wanted him, and they just held him hostage. They held him for ransom, and then the Giants came up and gave them like three first-round picks or something and a bunch of twos in order to get the player they wanted. They won two Super Bowls with that player. So you can't really be mad and say it didn't work out, but they still drafted Eli Manning, even though they knew he wasn't going to play for them. So for the the Sacramento to do what Sacramento does, and by the way, they drafted Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray is absolutely not a bad basketball player, and he's probably a very ready-to-contribute basketball player. He just 
not does not have the upside of Jaden Ivey. And this is kind of just, just fumble in the bag as bad franchises do. Uh, so the Lakers, the story to me is not who the Lakers drafted. To be honest with you, I don't even know who the Lakers drafted because the Lakers don't have a first round pick until like 2028. So they drafted somebody in the second round. Maybe that'll work out. The thing that's interesting to me is that the Lakers, they, they signed Scottie Pippen's son to a two-way contract and they signed... Shaquille O'Neal's son to a two-way contract. And I, I was talking to my son earlier, and he's cracking up about this. He's like, you know, it's almost like the Lakers think that they're like Pokemon, that they were just going to draft them and we're just going to capture them, and they're just going to evolve them into Hall of Fame players like their fathers. It's like, that's not how that's not how it works. And um, I, the, the sons of professional players also playing pro ball is hit or miss at best. And I would say it's more miss than hit. It really is. Like how many guys are the only thing, the only thing I can say about this is maybe they looked at like maybe they, they looked at the, the the Golden State Warriors. A lot of you know if you don't know this that um but Steph Curry is the son of Del Curry. Del Curry was an awesome shooter in the NBA. He wasn't you know a great player but he was a very good player. Um and then Clay Thompson is the son of an, an NBA player. Not a great player, but a good player, and their sons are stars. So it I don't see it working out this way for the Lakers, though. Cause uh, you know, Scotty, at least you can say that Scotty was a, a decent college basketball player. Like he averaged like 16, 17 points when he was at Vanderbilt. But honestly, if he was not Scotty Pippen's son, you would not know he would not be able to get drafted or get a a get a tryout even or get a like a, a summer league contract based on his own merits. He absolutely could not. And then the worst one though is Sharif. Sharif O'Neal is not good at basketball. He yes, he he got an injury. He or he had literally had surgery. He was at UCLA, he had a heart surgery. So, you know, good on him for being able to get back on the court and do what he loves to do. So, you feel kind of bad you know what? Actually, I don't. Maybe I'm just that kind of jerk. He can't play basketball. Uh, he actually, from UCLA and the two years at LSU, he averaged less than three points a game and about three rebounds a game. That. That is bad at basketball. He's six foot ten. That's bad at basketball. He's the son of an absolute legend, one of the greatest players of all time, maybe some people argue the greatest center of all time. I will always say it's Elijah Wan, but you know it, it's debatable. He's definitely absolutely dominant, um, one of the most dominant forces in the league. Maybe that, maybe the most dominant force in basketball, hands down. So, so now you have that, and it's like he can't play at all. And the fact that players who are the brothers and sons of other players continue to get opportunities and it drives me batty. It, it, there are players who are great players who are missing out on an opportunity because the son of this guy or the brother of that guy is getting opportunities. Now, mind you, in sports, it's not only happening on the field or the court because if you look at, look at college football, look at high school football, look around anywhere and you're going to see the sons, the brothers, the cousins of the head coach on staffs everywhere. And college is actually pretty bad. Like the the like like Jim Harbaugh's son, if you want to know where 
what the, the worst position group is on the Michigan Wolverines. Just look for John Harbaugh's son and you'll find out pretty quickly. That's all you have to do is look for the worst group and you'll be like, oh, there's his son. Because, you know, their running backs were bad for a little while. They brought in Josh Hart. Um, and then suddenly the running backs were better. Well, who was coaching running backs? His son. Happens all the time. Drives me crazy. I know it's happening in recruiting. It happens in high, in college recruiting so much that a guy who will remain nameless. I just I think they're, I think they're both great kids, but I know the younger brother. You got a guy who's who's going to Michigan. Was going 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 to the league. They're playing D one right now, and his brother, who is in seventh or eighth grade, Michigan offered his brother. I mean, is he a very good seventh eighth grade player? Yeah, he's a very good middle school player, maybe one of the best ones I've ever seen. You know, not not the best one I've ever seen, but very good. But he got an offer from Michigan because his brother is going to Michigan. And not exactly, it's not like it's a real offer or anything, but it bothers me. It bothers me because there are people, this kid's getting gassed up, and there are people out there that don't have that kind of lineage, don't have that kind of support. And then because they've got family, you know, somebody gave them opportunities that that regular people don't get. And I don't know, if I had an opportunity to do something for my son to get an opportunity for my kids, I would do it too. So I'm kind of torn when it comes to this. I mean, look at ownership. Look at the Buss family right now with the Lakers and you got, you know, the you know, Dr. Buss is one of the greatest owners of any sport of any franchises, and his kids are 100% running this mess into the ground. But they're like, yeah, I would never sell it. I would never sell it. I mean, even though, even, now look look at the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry, you know, like Jerry's turning into, um, I feel like Jerry's turning into Al Davis. And if you look in that organization, what you're going to find is you're going to find a lot of people related to Jerry Jones and a lot of people very close to, to Jerry Jones. His sons, his daughter is in this part of the organization. His son's running is a, a football operations. Look at the bus family. You got the genie owns the team. Her brother does this. Her friends do that. The Rambuses do this and that. They're calling in um, Magic Johnson and Magic Johnson is this. And, and genie used to date Phil Jackson and Phil Jackson's a consultant. I'm like, why don't you hire people that know what the hell they're doing instead of just hiring the people that are close to you? I mean, the you're running these franchises. You're, you're you're only relevant because of the source, because of your name. And and you're taking the legacies that you built or that your family built, and you're just throwing it away. You're throwing it away because you don't know what you're doing anymore. I mean, you, your parents, or even you, if you're in Jerry Jones's case, like you tried. There was an era that you were really good, but after a certain point, the things that you are trying to do aren't working anymore. And you're stuck because you don't have anything else. And you won't hire other people because, you know, it's your baby. It's your thing, which is, you know, cool, I guess. I mean, I, I don't understand not wanting to sell the Lakers, not wanting to sell Cowboys. I know I'm running really long right now. Honestly, I don't really care. Um, kind of enjoying just doing this. And you're, you're watching right now, you're watching bad franchises do what bad franchises do. And um, it's sad. 
Like, I used to hate the Cowboys, but uh, I can't even hate the Cowboys anymore. Cowboys aren't relevant to hate, relevant enough to hate. Cowboys fans can be mad at me for saying that all you want. Yeah, I'm an Eagles fan. I got one since less since I had a long time since you got one. It was the last time you had a playoff win, player. Just a playoff win, not a championship, just a playoff win. You know how bad it is. The Lakers won a championship not too long ago. Don't look like they're going to be getting to another one anytime soon. The idea of bringing AD over, this was supposed to be like a dynasty. He was supposed to be turning over and being the man while LeBron kind of declined. And then, they, you know, it could take some of the minutes off of him and they can just keep, win championships, keep rolling. You made bad decisions. You made bad decisions. You let the, the, the players decide who they wanted to play with instead of being like, no, I, I brought you here to be a part of our build and what we're going to do, and you're not going to dictate that. But bad franchises don't have plans. They don't have structure. And one thing they certainly don't have is they don't have backbone. They don't have the ability to have some discernment and look at a player who's making millions of dollars and say, no. You know why? Because you're only making millions of dollars because I have billions of dollars. You collect a check, you do what I tell you. You know, you don't like that. You can stay home, you can kick rocks. It is what it is. Take it easy.